0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we certainly appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. We want you to stay tuned today as we're going to be discussing a particular character out of the New Testament, a woman, and we're entitling the lesson, A Certain Disciple. I hope that you'll stay tuned. We appreciate those of you who watch all the time, and we want to encourage you to tell someone else about getting to know your Bible. Now today on our telecast we're continuing to offer the free Bible Correspondence Course that we've announced. in in other telecasts. Thousands of people all over the world are studying this Bible course. We want you to have the opportunity of studying the course as well. Now that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help
0: you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible, It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: I'm reading now from the ninth chapter of Acts, beginning in verse 36, and reading down to verse 42. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, "Tobiatha, arise." and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. and it became known throughout all Joppa and many. Believed on the Lord. This particular text reminds us of the uncertainty of life even for good, godly people. In James, the fourth chapter, we are reminded of how brief our life is. Uh, It is just like a vapor that appears for just a little time and then it vanishes away. Here's a woman by the name of Dorcas, also called Tabitha, who became ill and she was so sick that finally she died. A a look at the life of this godly woman should inspire all people who are seeking after the Lord and especially women who might be seeking after the Lord. Dorcas is described in the text as a certain disciple. Now, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple. I want you to think about the word disciple. The word disciple means that one is a follower or a learner. And she indeed was a certain disciple of the Lord. Being a disciple of the Lord is of the utmost importance. There were some who were disciples who ceased their following. In John the 6th chapter and verse 66, the Bible says from that time many of the disciples turned back and walked no more with him. That was not characteristic of Dorcas. She continued to follow him. But Dorcas was a Christian. In Acts 11, chapter and verse 26, the Bible says the disciples were called Christians. The disciples were called Christians. So I know that as a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, a learner of Christ, that Dorcas was a Christian. Dorcas had been baptized. In Matthew, the 28th chapter and verse 19, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and make disciples. That's the reading of the new Ameri- of the American Standard Version. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So here's a woman who had been baptized. She was a disciple. She, like other disciples, observed the Lord's Supper. In Acts, the 20th chapter, and verse 7, the Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. So she was a disciple of the Lord. It was characteristic of the disciples of the Lord on the first day of every week to gather with other Christians, other disciples, to observe the Lord's Supper. As a disciple, she was faithful to the Lord, In John the 8th chapter and verse 31, Jesus said that if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So she was faithful to the Lord. She was a disciple indeed. But then as a disciple, she was faithful to the Lord. In John the 15th chapter and verse 8, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. She loved the Lord supremely. We cannot be a disciple without being fruitful and faithful to the Lord. We're to bear much fruit for the Lord. So Dorcas was a certain disciple. But the text says that Dorcas was full of good works. She was full of good works. Now, in the worship and in the work of the New Testament church, women can do anything that a man can do with one exception. According to the Bible, she is not allowed in the worship of the Lord and in the work of the Lord to usurp authority over the man. I'm reading now from First Timothy, the second chapter, and verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. And so in the work and worship of the church, a woman can do what a man can do except have authority or to usurp the authority over a man. So there was something Dorcas could do. She was full of good works. And each Christian should be full of good works. In Matthew 5 and 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The good works we do are not to draw attention to ourselves, but rather the good works that we do are to draw attention to God. In Ephesians, the second chapter, and in verse number 10, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so, as Christians, we are created; we are new creatures in Jesus Christ, and it is our responsibility to perform good works. Now, this woman Dorcas was full of good works. In Philippians, the first chapter and verse six, Paul, having having, uh, 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 having this confidence in you, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says that if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Titus chapter 2 and verse 7 says we're to be examples of good works. Titus chapter 3 and verse 1 says that we're to be ready unto every good work. And then what about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. So one of the things that is said about Dorcas in the text was that she was full of good works. You know, women historically have been some of the Lord's most faithful and loyal servants. I think about what Paul wrote in Philippians the fourth chapter in verse three. I, I entreat the true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. And so here are women who labored in the gospel. Someone has said that they were last at the cross and first at the grave. Dorcas, a woman full of good works, practiced pure and undefiled religion. James 1.27 says that, that uh, pure and undefiled religion is to help the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. There's one thing you can say about Dorcas. She was not afraid to work. She worked. And we're going to learn that she worked with her hands. Dorcas is a woman who had compassion for the needy. And so should we. We ought to have compassion for those that are less fortunate. We ought to have compassion for those that are fatherless those that are widows. You say, well, why? Why should we have compassion for people that are in need regardless of who they may be? Their families right now where, where the, the breadwinner in that home is without employment. We ought to have compassion for people like that. Why should we have compassion for people? One reason is because the Bible says we should. Galatians 6 and 10 says, as we have opportunity let us do good unto all men especially unto those who are the household of faith and so we're to do good to people it is necessary in the performance of pure religion james 1:27 pure and undefiled religion before god the fathers this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Pure and undefiled religion is helping those who are in need. And then we might further mention the fact that we ought to help those who are in need because it procures the Lord's help. It procures the Lord's help. There's a passage over in the book of Psalms, chapter 41 and verse number 1, where the, where the psalmist is talking about the benefit of having a heart of compassion for people that are in need. I want you to listen to verse number 1. Blessed is he who considers the poor. Now that's what we're talking about. Darkest, help people that were in need. So this says, blessed is he who considers the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Will deliver who in the time of trouble? The person who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver the man who considers the poor in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. Somebody says, why do we need to help people that are in need? To procure the help of God Almighty. But then helping people that are in need is a way of proving our faith. Turn turn in your Bible over to the book of James, the second chapter, and let me begin reading about verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And listen to verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. Now here's the question. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. You see by helping people and doing good for those that are in need is one way to prove that our faith is a saving faith. Think about this this scenario right here. Somebody comes and they're they're in desperate need. He says they're naked and destitute of daily food. That is, they need clothing to wear and they, they need something to eat. And so you just say, well, you just go on your way. May God bless you. May the Lord help you. May the Lord have mercy upon you. May the Lord deliver you from this. And then you don't give them a morsel of food. You don't give them clothing to wear. The question is, what good is it? What good is it? And he says it, if, it, and then he says, if faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The way you prove your faith, your true faith, is by helping people that are in need. But then also, helping people that are in need is one of the ways that we procure the mercy of God. You know, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In James, the second chapter, in verse 13, we're told, He shall be judged without mercy, who has shown no mercy. In the 25th chapter of Matthew, beginning of verse 31 down to verse 46, Jesus gave the scene of the judgment. And there are the sheep and the goats in that scene. And there were those on the one hand to whom Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed, in everlasting fire. He said, I was hungry, I was naked, I was was sick, I was in prison, and you did not help me. And so they asked in return, "Well, Lord, now, now when did we see you like that? When did we see you sick? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in need of clothing? When did we see you in prison? And Jesus' answer was, inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of one of these my brethren, you did it not unto me. You see, when we help other people, it's as though we're helping the Lord. A man had a dream, and in his dream he saw the Lord coming by his house that day. And he wondered, I... Is the Lord actually coming to my house? I don't believe we can put a great deal of stock in the dreams that we have. I don't. As a matter of fact, I am confident that we cannot. I had one recently, a very strange dream. I was standing in the middle of a cotton patch, and in the middle of one of the rows of the cotton patch, there were huge pieces of money as big around as this, silver coins, gold coins in that dream. I can tell you there's absolutely nothing to that. And so I'm not putting a lot of stock in the dream. But this man had a dream of the Lord coming by. Well that day, during the day, there was a child that came by the house and and asked for some help. And then there was a woman who came by, an elderly woman, and she asked for some help. And then there was a beggar that knocked on his door and asked for some food. And the man said to himself, The Lord indeed did come by. He came by today three times. That is, there were opportunities to help people, and in helping people, you help the Lord. Well, Dorcas, a godly woman, a certain disciple, full of good works, but she died. And there was a monument erected in her memory. It says in verse 36 that she was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. And then she died. And when she died, they prepared her for burial. They put in her upper room. And then they sent for Peter and he came. And uh, when he went into the upper room, try to picture this. It says in verse 39, widows stood by him weeping. And they began to show Peter the garments that, that, that Dorcas had made for them. And those garments that Dorcas had made with her hands were a monument to her life. There is a very faithful Christian man, nearly 80 years of age, in the Somerdale Church of Christ where I am the local preacher who makes little blankets with his hands to be sent for little babies down in Guyana, South America. Those are going to be monuments to his life. But she made a monument. And those monuments of her were the garments that she made. You know a a garment or rather a monument of stone may be erected in the memory of the people that are deceased. And most will have some kind of a marker at their gravesite to show that they lived, that they died. But the monument of good works is the most enduring. You see, the widow showed the garments she made, and they complimented the life that she had lived. May, may I ask a question? What monument will you leave behind? How, how will you be remembered? Will you be remembered like Dorcas for your good works? Will you be remembered for doing your best like Mary and Mark 14 and 8, of whom Jesus said she had done what she could? Will you be remembered for going that second mile, doing more than was expected of you? You know, in Matthew 5 and 41, Jesus said, If a man compelled you to go one mile, go with him two. Do more than people ask you to do. Will you be remembered for showing respect to God and to man? Will you be remembered for your concern for people? Will you be remembered for a meek and a quiet spirit? Will you be remembered for your friendliness? Will you be remembered for having a loving attitude? So so what kind of a monument will you leave behind? Yes, Dorcas was a certain disciple. Dorcas died. And when she died, the people were explaining the kind of a life that she lived. In my mind, I can almost hear what some were saying. She was such a good woman. I would never have been able to get by had it not been for the help that she gave to me. She was a godly woman. Could I ask, are you a certain disciple? Are you a certain disciple? What an example of a great Christian woman. Would you become a Christian, a disciple of Christ, as was she? You can. She she became a disciple of Jesus Christ by believing in Him. We're to believe in Jesus. And unless we believe, we will die in our sins, John 8, 24. She became a disciple of Jesus by repenting of her sins because unless we repent, we will perish, Luke 13, 3. And she confessed her belief in Jesus in order that she might be confessed before the Father in heaven, Matthew 10, 32, 33. And in order to be a disciple, She was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by immersion for the remission of her sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Are you a disciple? I would encourage you to become a Christian this very day. I would urge you to become a Christian and it is urgent. First of all, We do not have much time. We will die. Tomorrow could bring the Lord. It could bring the judgment. It could bring eternity for us all. And it is urgent that we become, like Dorcas, a certain disciple. Now in the closing moments, may I invite you to attend the Church of Christ in your community. And also, may I encourage you right now to pick up the telephone and call the number that you have seen on the screen and order the free Bible correspondence course. I want to urge you to do that today. It will be the best thing that you have ever done for yourself. You will learn how to become a certain disciple of the Lord. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my prayer.